0: What do you got, Daniel Jones? Show me something, Daniel Jones. Show me something, Daniel Jones. Show me something, Daniel Jones. This is a game, Daniel Jones, that you were drafted to win. Show me something. Show me something, Daniel Jones. Show me those beautiful North Carolina legs. (laughs) Oh, yes, the beautiful North Carolina legs. Peter King every week during the season on Friday when Chris is in his hammock with a pina colada and... And uh, uh, Daddy Cigars, he calls them. Peter King, show me something draft. It's almost always Daniel Jones. Apparently. And the Giants showed him <laughs> something yesterday in the form of a deadline deal so they could apply the franchise tag to Saquon Barkley. Let me just make this observation. Because I said yesterday, at this point, just go ahead and take the tag. It would have been in Daniel Jones' long-term career interests to take the tag because you get tagged once. It's better for you the next time you get tagged. It's even better for you the third time. But the problem is... If he doesn't do his deal, they can't tag Saquon Barkley. And Saquon Barkley hits the open market. If I'm Saquon Barkley, I'm probably not real happy with Daniel Jones today. Because he could have done this deal today. He could have done the deal tomorrow. He could have done the deal that he did all the way up until July 15. But, you know, he used the leverage of the Giants wanting to keep both guys to maybe squeeze a little bit more out of the Giants than he would have gotten later in the process and that's what I said at this point if you're going to to do a deal you better get a premium the problem is whatever premium Daniel Jones got ended up handcuffing Saquon Barkley to the Giants for a year when he could have hit the open market
1: Chris yeah yeah I mean it's it's a tough one but but also too he's you know you know in a lot of ways you know hey trying to do this so they can keep a guy and they 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 use that against him too you know I think that's the other aspect of this as well who knows wait well, I mean, you know, again, I don't know if I totally agree with what You're saying there too is that Daniel Jones might have been asking for more, but okay, I'll settle for this you know, as long as we say, you know, franchise Saquon my point and is going to get could it, got it later, right? Right, right. So, so, right.
0: You know, that's part of the deal, though. That's, but that's he's restricted Saquon I, He has restrict restricted the open him. market by I, doing
1: the deal. No that's doubt. My point. No, you're 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 not wrong by that. You're not wrong. I, I mean, listen, as a Giant fans, as a Giant fan, I'm ecstatic. We get we keep both. And hopefully they can figure out a way to work out a long-term deal that makes sense for Saquon Barkley. Uh, but, you know, Daniel Jones, I mean, from what it looks like, again, we saw a lot of positive signs from this player last year. Uh, he, he did a lot of good things with a team around him that, you know, i you said it right before we came back on air here. It wasn't like it was super talent around him, right? He showed the ability to something you talk about a lot, that when the play's not there – he can, he can do some things when it's not there. Nobody's open. Protection's bad. His ability to run is, is special. It's kind of top five-ish in football as far as quarterback running is concerned, let alone, hey, I think they like everything else about Daniel Jones, so it's good to see them get this done and you know they can move on and try to figure out the rest of their roster and hopefully a deal with Saquon Barkley.
0: I anticipate getting the full details of the contract today. By now, if you pay attention to how we do things and how everyone else does things, here's how it works. Other reporters get the basic bare bones, best case scenario characterization of the contract, and then the truth comes later in the full breakdown. Here's what I know right now. And again, I've yet to see the full breakdown. I'm told $93 million effectively guaranteed at signing, $104 million total guarantee That includes injury guarantees that don't and won't vest. The incentives and the escalators allow him to earn up to $2 million in each year of the deal for hitting top 15 quarterback stats. Another $2.5 million per year if he's top 10. Another $2.5 million if he's top five. So that is, if my math is correct and it rarely is, $7 million per year tied to being in the top five. If he's in the top five, by way of statistics, and we'll find out what the statistics are. He makes another $7 million a year. He's got $5 million in incentives and escalators for playoff performance each year. So uh, it's characterized as a win-win. Giants are on the hook for two years and a $21 million guarantee in year three, but there's enough low-level incentives. So if Daniel Jones plays like he did in 2022, he will earn more than the $40 million per year that's in the base deal, four years, 160. So again... I defer to the final and complete details but it sounds like a way to you know make sure that he's protected financially if he plays really Really well over the course of the next few years and the giants are going to pay him even more if he does but but a lot of it's on him and what he's able to do with the football in his hands uh and and we have to see what quarterback statistical categories there are because he didn't have a lot of passing yards last year at 3200 that wasn't very much he ran for 700 right um but you know he didn't have good receivers either and hopefully this deal gives the giants the flexibility to go out and sign some Better receivers than what they have.
1: Yeah, I think this is you know kind of the sweet spot, right? We talked about this kind of all year long. We thought, hey, 35, 38, okay, maybe it's forty million, whatever, right around that area, you know, with a four year deal. I think is exactly kind of what you know we talked about. At least what I said that, hey, maybe they can get out of it after two years if things don't go the right way. Uh, I'll be interested to see. I mean, Mike, what's your what's your gut tell you that it's like? Uh, what do you think it like realistically is like two years, a hundred million? They can get out after that. Like, I mean, that would be my guess. But you got a feel for for what we might see when you get the details later on.
0: Well, w- w- when I, when I look at this note, that it's really two years plus a twenty-one million dollar right. guarantee for year three. Right. That that tells me is that the, tells me it's uh, it's, it's, it's probably it's probably two years seventy two. Um, kind of what he would have gotten if you'd taken the two tags and slapped them together. Gotcha. The 2023-2024 tags plus that extra guarantee. And see, the, the here's the reality with that extra guarantee for year three. It's like the extra $10 million for Derek Carr. Right. There'll be offset language attached to it. So if they decide after two years to move on from Daniel Jones, whatever he would make on the open market, that will chop down that liability for year three. Yeah. It's a bigger liability for the Giants than it is for the Saints in year three, but still there's a way out if you're willing to potentially eat some money. And it, so it gives the Giants two full years to make the decision whether or not he's the guy over the long term or right. whether or not they need to be looking for someone else.
1: Yeah, that that's what it feels like, and I think that makes sense. And I'm, I'm sure Daniel Jones, it, it makes sense to him too. He can't sit there and, and yet think, oh, well, I should just get, you know, a five-, six-year deal and whatever price I want. He's He's smart. He realizes the situation here. You know, so th- th- that's where it's good. And then, you know, the other thing, too, you know, because I had some people like friends and stuff are like, man, Daniel Jones is going to get more than Derek Carr did. Right. And, you know, I think when, yeah, you just say it out loud, you go, oh, well, yeah, that's a uh, Derek Carr. He's, you know, was at the Pro Bowl last year and he's had some good years and all that. But there's more to it than that, too, though. You know, Daniel Jones, one, yeah, he's homegrown talent for the Giants. Two, it's all come together with the new head coach who believes in him and all of that. So Derek Carr obviously didn't quite have that there with the Raiders. And then other three is, you know, he, I, I think there's a little bit of a premium because of kind of what you said. He showed his potential this year. His potential is greater than Derek Carr. You know, again, this is a big human being we're talking about, six five and that change to over two hundred and forty pounds. You know, he can he's got a very good arm. He's extremely accurate. And then, like you talked about, it's over seven hundred yards rushing. You know, over seven hundred yards rushing, but still not the best O line in football, and no weapons to worry about on the outside to where you're getting double teams on receivers and making the rushing easier for you as a quarterback. So, you know, again, I think there's some things there that, yeah, you know, the potential, the homegrown talent, the organization likes him, and it all came together with this coach who seems to believe in him and wants to make it grow with him, and that's why he ends up getting paid more than a guy who's more established than Derek Carr.
0: So because they were able to sign Daniel Jones before the deadline for applying the tag, and they may not have gotten it all completely buttoned up, but they were far enough along that they were comfortable tagging Saquon Barkley before the four PM deadline. Barkley gets ten point one million for what will be his sixth season, and running backs get screwed by the current rookie wage yeah, they scale. Do fifth-year option, and I remember saying this when they came up with the current CBA in 2011, which really restricted what guys taken at the top of the draft make. Um, you can take a running back. You can keep him for five years. You can tag him once. You can tag him twice. That's his career, seven years. That's his career, and that's where they are now. They paid him $38.4 million for the first five years of his contract which isn't horrible money for running backs. It's all based on the first four years especially 31.4 million was based on the fact that he was a second overall pick, it wasn't based on the fact that he plays running back. So he made 7.2 million last year under his fifth year option and now he's going to make 10.1 under the franchise tag and next year it would be 12.1 uh, under the franchise tag and you know after if- that see you later Saquon Barkley. But- I wouldn't sign him to a long-term contract at this point. Um, I, I, it's 10.1. He seems to be happy with it. We showed the tweet earlier. He congratulated Daniel Jones. He, I think he understands how the business works for running backs and he'll have in all seven years in when he hits the open market. And when he hits the open market seven years in that's that's not going to be nearly as advantageous for him as as if he had hit it after
1: four or five years. Chris. No, it's not. It's it's something you know we we seem to talk about like right once a month. That the, the 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 way the rules the NFL set up. I mean, it's more unfair to running backs than anybody by by far. And you you explain this situation, you know, exactly right. Uh, and and two to to your point with the franchise tag this year at ten million and oh okay he has a great year we franchise him again next year and it only goes up to twelve million like whoop de do if he has another good year like he did this year past year they're gonna be like fine great we'll pay him twelve million dollars for one more year and maybe figure it out from there but then yeah you're 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 right you're getting to the the eighth year. That's where it becomes like kind of a, a linchpin year for the NFL of like, wait, he's getting old. You know, where's he going to be? And especially with the running back, yeah, that number I would think is going to come down significantly as far as what he can expect on a yearly average basis there. So uh, it, it's, it's, I really wish they could readjust this situation with the running back so they can get paid earlier on in the career when they're still in their prime and, and capable of, you know, making big money. But like Mike, what do you think? Like, you know, again, Saquon Barkley, yeah, he's probably kind of happy. I I don't know, you know, what what would he get on the open market, right? He's he's a year off. He's he's off of an injury as far as the ACL. He's not far removed from that. He is at a year where you know you're, you're talking about. He's getting up there in years a little bit for the running back position. You know, I I don't know what he would get on the open market. You got any feel there? I don't because it never got to the
0: point where he was even scratching the open market. There's a lot of running backs available. There could be more based upon cuts that may be coming. You've got Derrick Henry available in trade. I don't know that he's going to average... $10 $10 million a year on a long-term right? deal at this right. point. Right. He's definitely not going to hit 15 or 16. He probably is happy with this. This is a win-win. It gives the Giants Saquon Barkley for one more year at least at a time when he's still got tread on the tires and gas in the tank. And, you know, it's a significant payment. It's a significant cap number. They could sign him to a longer-term deal and knock that down. But it feels like a, a good balance. It feels like a win-win. And, and, again, he's not upset about it, even though he arguably – could be should be it's just the nature of the sport it's the nature of the position the franchise tags for running backs have gone down since Le'Veon Bell did it and uh crazy the market the market's just not there don't play running back kids any kids out there who are foolish enough to be listening to this show when there's much other more important things you should be doing on a Wednesday morning like getting ready for school or studying for that test that you didn't study for last night because you were playing call of duty Don't play running back. I know that you want the glory, and I know that the offenses are rudimentary, and the coaches just like to give the ball to the best athlete and let him go out there and create havoc. Develop your skills elsewhere. I remember when Ben Tate, the former second-round pick from Auburn, who played running back for the Texans, said... Man, if I had to do it all over again, I'd be a defensive back. Yeah. The money's not there at the NFL level for running backs. The fame is, the glory
1: is, but man, that candle burns out quickly. No, I, and, and honestly, Mike, I, I, I think it is going on. I think there's a lot of high school kids or kids that, like you're talking about, they were the man through grade school playing running back. They get to high school and they kind of realize what you're saying. They're like, ah, I want to play receiver. I, I, there's more of a future there, and I think that's probably part of the reason we see, you know, some more running back type bodies in the NFL playing receiver because of because of what you're talking about and you're you're exactly right you're spot on but yeah you know McCaffrey is the high watermark right now at 16 million and most people would go well that that's crazy to pay him that you know and everybody was saying that before he started to produce with the 49ers last year and do that and then you get after that i mean the best running back in the game right now is Nick Chubb And he's making $12 million. So, yeah, I'm with you. And I don't know if that Saquon Barkley would have got much more or any more on an average year basis on the open market. You know, after an ACL, after two underwhelming years leading into this year off of an injury in one of them, yeah, I would have a hard time believing that. But damn, they got to fix this for running backs. They really do.
0: And now what the Giants have to do is go out there and get some guys who can catch the football and really open up that offense. They are on the brink of having a pretty good team. Daniel Jones has another year with Brian Dayball. They have cap space that they can use to get some receivers, and this Giants team could, could be dangerous in the coming years. All right, let's take a break. The other team in New York trying to sign a quarterback, one that's not currently on the roster, making a trip to cheese country where the Jets brass. We'll give you the latest on everything that is or isn't happening with Aaron Rodgers right after this. I've used this metaphor a few times the past couple days, and I kind of enjoy it, so bear with me. It would be nice to milk the Packers, have given Aaron Rodgers permission to talk to other teams, Cal, before we pivot to the... Rogers has talked to the Jets cap. So it just, it's just—it's odd that that step got skipped yeah. in the overall right. generation of chocolates on the assembly line that we in the media
1: like to throw out. We're like Lucy and uh, Ethel. Ethel, right? No. Ethel. Or, Ethel, yeah. <laughs>
0: Well done. Well done. Very well done. Yeah, I'm not Lucy. paying the check to Desilu Productions for the unauthorized use of that video. Don't send the invoice to me, back room. Um, and and uh, it came up yesterday. Vivian is the name of the actress who played Ethel, but Vivian was also the character in one of the subsequent Lucy shows after it was just her uh, without... Without Desi Arnaz, because that's when I remember watching it when I was a kid on CBS Mondays at eight o'clock. There was some Lucy show with with Mr. Drysdale. She worked at a bank, and Mr. Drysdale was her boss, and Viv was her friend. So We're, yeah, I kind
1: of remember don't, that, don't, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm totally in the into the, the age of just true, you know, the old fashioned reruns and. You know, I don't you don't even see them anymore. Is there a channel or anything that they come on anymore? Wait a minute. You know what? You know what? I may be mixing up my shows. Was Mr.
0: Drysdale the banker in Beverly Hills, uh Hillbillies? Ooh. It- there was a there was still a banker. There was a banker on the Lucy show. See, this is I don't know, maybe know. Mr. Drysdale maybe Mr. Maybe they plucked Mr. Drysdale. I need to do the research. Maybe they plucked Mr. Drysdale from the Beverly Hillbillies and dropped him into this Man, show maybe
1: you're just it's possible, getting old it's possible and you're, you're starting in to confuse shows. things you know you're one well, of the, you got, got to that, that age it's the old like oh i can't remember if he was from this show or that show old young whippersnapper i can't remember anymore <laughs>
0: in my defense it was a really long time ago yeah uh i'm gonna get to the bottom of this while we take care of more important things aaron Rodgers. yeah okay so yesterday yesterday uh we saw the reports originating with trey wingo who who ended up being accurate. So well done. Well done, non-reporter. Stay in your own backyard, Trey. So uh, the news that on Monday, Aaron Rodgers had spoken to the Jets. And we did skip over the step that the Packers had authorized. It's funny because the, like the, the, some of the people who cover the Packers were like, well, yeah, obviously they, they uh, agreed to give him permission. Well, folks, isn't that something you should have been? You should have been all over. Shouldn't, shouldn't shouldn't your relationships with the team be at the point where someone would have told you, hey, we've given this guy permission to talk to other teams? Fairly significant piece of information that no one reported. We skipped, as I said yesterday, right over it. So the news uh, continued to the point where Woody Johnson, the owner of the team, And Johnson & Johnson Air. Big Pharma coming to town. Watch out, Aaron. They're coming to get you. Uh, Robert Sala, Joe Douglas, and Nathaniel Hackett all reportedly were part of the group that went to Green Bay to meet with Aaron Rodgers to talk to him about possibly joining the jets and california, right? Me,
1: they flew out to cali i think was it was california yeah, right yeah i think so uh, i thought uh, it was uh, green I'm bay wrong.
0: california wherever wherever yeah. wherever the really rich guy's plane goes and <laughs> it, it's not restricted to uh, just half of the country they went to see aaron Rodgers, and and again that that's just another little piece of information that lets us know we're getting closer and closer to the point where he's no longer a packer whether he plays for the Jets or someone else or no one at all, you wouldn't be taking this meeting if you were committed to playing for the Packers in 2023.
1: Chris. No, no. I think by by all due accounts, this is real. This is real. And if you made me bet right now, I would sit here and start to go, no, I expect Aaron Aaron Rodgers to be the Jets quarterback here and, and make it official sometime in the next week. That's where I feel this is going, right? There's a lot of people in league, league circles that think, yeah, that Green Bay has told Aaron Rodgers they'd like to move on. And go to Jordan Love. There's, there's, it, it's, it, this is definitely percolating through the league that it's a real thing, right? And the fact that he is, you know, taking this meeting and, you know, doing this, we didn't see him do this last year, so this tells me it's real. And the point that we got to this point, let alone, hey, not only from, you know, people I've heard around the NFL, but all the things that we heard, you know, leading up to this, you know, with people semi-connected to the situation. Yeah, I think that it's officially has happened. That Green Bay has gone, okay, hey Aaron Rodgers, you're the man. We love you, but we'd like to move on and see what Jordan Love has and start that era of football, and that's why he's doing this. And you know, I I, I expect it to happen now. The fact that we're on a private plane, going out to California or Green Bay, wherever the hell he is at this point, uh uh I, I think that, that you know, the status of that team, where they are there's a ton of talent, Nathaniel Hackett being the offensive coordinator who, like, hey, Nathaniel Hackett, head coach, we can debate all that all you want. Offensive coordinator, guy that can, you know, make a quarterback feel good and comfortable and, and like, trust his system and all that. He's special that way. And, uh, I, yeah, I'm, as we sit here, I'm expecting Aaron Rodgers to be the quarterback of the Jets in the next week.
0: Actually, I don't think there's much we can debate about Nathaniel Hackett, head coach. I don't think no, there's you're much right. For, there's really not for fair debate you're on right. that. Okay, I got no. you. You're right. <laughs> uh, but but as offensive coordinator, yeah. yeah, there's that connection with Aaron Rodgers. And the report yesterday from ESPN was they flew out Tuesday. That doesn't mean you know maybe today's the meeting. I don't know. But today is the anniversary of when Aaron Rodgers made it known he was staying with Green Bay. What's he doing one year later? He's meeting with the Jets and that doesn't mean he's going to play for the Jets the meeting may not go well and again this I say this in jest from time to time but he did go on McAfee's show and launch into this rant that big pharma and he mentioned the names Pfizer Moderna and Johnson and Johnson all are responsible for people in the sports media vilifying him because he was anti-vax and now he's gonna break bread and talk turkey with with uh, Woody Johnson who's a Johnson & Johnson heir, and you think this isn't going to come up? I don't know. That's the thing. What topics come up when you have dinner with Aaron Rodgers? I have a feeling he sets the agenda. And and this is where... You run the risk of really creating a potential mess for yourself. If they're going to be tiptoeing on eggshells around Aaron Rodgers, if they become so smitten with the idea that they have to have Aaron Rodgers. You're giving the guy way too much power on the way in the door, and you're setting the stage for some potentially ugly stuff to go down once you start playing games and once you know coaches have ideas about the way things should go and Aaron Rodgers doesn't think it should go that way. He's going to walk through the door, Chris, with a
1: lot of power. Well, yes, he is, but that's a risk they're obviously willing to take. Uh, I'm, they're they're looking at it right now, and I'm, I'm sure they're sweating a little bit right now. With like, man, okay, wait, if we don't get it done with Aaron Rodgers, what are we gonna do? I know there's the Jimmy Garoppolo conversation that's out there, but you know, Derek Carr being gone and going to the Saints, their options are limited. So. Yeah, they're going to have that. Would they go after Lamar? Would they go? I, we I, haven't seen a report I, that they're not interested in Lamar. I, I know you're right. I, I I wanted to bring that up in segment one, so that that will be interesting. Maybe they will get desperate enough, or you know, start to kick the kick the can on that one or the tires on that one a little bit as they get an answer for Rogers. But I think to your point, yeah, you're very real and right about that. That's where Nathaniel Hackett will come into play in a big time way because he's going to go. Wait, I know this guy. I know how to communicate with this guy. I can, you know. Make some of those issues that you might worry about certainly lesser. We'll see where that goes. But yeah, I think that the Jets have, have made their bed here as far as they put it out there. They're going to do whatever it takes to get a quarterback that they want, and options are limited. So, and they got a team that, you know, we've said, it, and everybody says it's ready right now. So they're feeling the heat of that. Um, and yeah, I just think as it stands right now and the fact that he's entertaining, this tells me that he wants to play football. And then, yeah, from what I've heard around league circles is that Green Bay would like to move on and I'm expecting something to be done. Now, the next part of it is what do you got to give up to get Rogers? Is there, you know, some sort of change to the contract? Those are the things that I'm interested to see or what happens here. If they get a further, a little further down the road in, in the conversation.
0: Before before we get to that point, though, yeah. I, I'm, I'm reminded of the item from The Athletic from a couple of weeks ago that took the deep dive into what happened in Denver with Russell Wilson. And the big headline that made news was Russell Wilson wanted Pete Carroll and John Schneider to be fired by Seattle. That was the thing that created most of the churn. But deeper in that article, there was an analysis of Nathaniel Hackett's approach to Russell Wilson and basically – the message was he was too deferential to Russell Wilson because he didn't want to go through what he went through in 2019 in Green Bay when Aaron Rodgers created an issue, pushed back. Remember all that stuff, the Audible thing? I mean, they had ways they wanted to do things. Rodgers refused to go along with it, and it was awkward. It was a mess. So Hackett will be wired, Chris, to be too deferential to Aaron Rodgers on the way through the door because the relationship has already reached that point. Yeah. And again, this is all part of of what Woody Johnson, Joe Douglas, and Robert Sala are signing on for if they do this. They're willing to welcome for one year and maybe one year only all sorts of dysfunction and potential topsy-turvy, hard feelings, awkward press conferences, strange meetings, whatever it may be. And, And that's the other side of it, too, you know. We we said that if he would go to the Raiders the first thing Josh McDaniels would tell him to do is no more Pat McAfee on Tuesdays. I wonder and and the, I do you really think the Jets no given the posture right now where it feels like they're bending over backward for this guy do you really think they would breathe a word of that possibility or even try to talk him out of it?
1: No, I don't. I don't, and I think the Jets are, you know, the type of team that kind of lets their the, the coaches, the organization at least at this point seems to be a team that lets their personalities talk and be who they are going to be, right? You know but yeah I mean that those are some of the things you're not to deal with McAfee the New York media questioning some of the things he says they're not just gonna let him get away with some of the things he says just because oh you're the quarterback of the team and we'll just let it happen right there's excitement up here about Aaron Rodgers there's just there's 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 people that are scared too because of the reasons and and the things you're talking about you know but you know, I think the Jets are, hey, yeah, they're they're in a tough spot and they're looking at, like, maybe we can catch, you know, lighting in a bottle here. We got a good football team. We run the same system on offense that you've always run. And, you know, we we're hoping maybe they can make it like Brett Favre and the Vikings, and let's see if we can make some sort of run. You know, again, is that wishful thinking? I don't know. You know, what's it going to take to get done? I don't know either. But th- th- here's what I would say too, Mike, as far as, you know, you, you brought up a lot of things that certainly are worthy of questioning. You know, what what is it gonna get it done to to get an Aaron Rodgers? I can't I can't imagine that Green Bay is gonna hold the Jets feet to the fire here, especially with what I'm hearing, and it sounds like they'd like to move on and go with Jordan Love and the price tag of the contract, and like you said, he might be gone for a year to where I, I could see maybe the trade because it seems like if that's the case, both teams or both sides want to get this deal done. I could see this trade going down for us looking at it and going, "Damn, they got Aaron Rodgers, you know, just for that." Or it wasn't as expensive as I thought. And I think it's going to be because of the reasons you know I explained and you explained already too. At one point,
0: somebody suggested multiple first-round picks. No so. first picks. I don't think so. Multiple first-round picks for a guy that may only play one year? I, no way. How about this? How yeah. about this? Yeah. Let's do this. If you're the Jets and you're the Packers, yeah. Okay, fifteen years ago. Woody Johnson owned the Jets 15 years ago. Mark Murphy was the CEO of the Packers. Why not take the Brett Favre trade terms, blow the dust off the cover, and use it again? Here's what it was. Packers got a fourth-round pick if Favre played under 50% of the snaps in 2008. If it was 50 to 70, it becomes a third-round pick. If it's 70 or more, it becomes a second-round pick. If it's 80 or more and they make it to the Super Bowl, it becomes a first-round pick. Why not just do that? Yeah. That, that would why, be- not, why not just use the same trade? Just use the same trade terms. That's fair. Now, now, um, you, know, you have to account for whether or not he plays in 2024. If I'm the Packers, I would want something added to that deal that would give me a conditional pick in 25 based upon whether or not he plays in 24. But I, if I'm the Jets, I'm not giving up significant trade – assets for a guy who i know doesn't want to be in green bay they don't want him there and i don't know how long he's going to play right that's too much to give up and and he's due to make 59 million in change 58 million of which comes in the form of a guaranteed salary where there is the ability between march 17 and week one to convert it to an option bonus that will spread it out and make the cap hit like 15 million dollars this year which is very manageable yeah but if i'm rogers i'm I, you want me you're paying me my 59000000 million. I'm not changing it. You get a favorable cap number on the front end. Yeah, you're going to have a bill to pay on the back end, but with every big quarterback contract, there's a bill to pay on the back end by way of cap charge. The money's already paid. The cap charge catches up. But if I'm Rodgers, I'm not changing anything about my contract. I'm, I'm going ahead and letting them convert the $58 million guaranteed salary into an option bonus
1: and moving forward. If you want me, that's the price. Right. So wait, let me get that right. And you're saying like, would he get less money if he did that option bonus? Like, what, 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 what? No, no. Gets yeah. the same money.
0: All right. He's due to make 59 million between his
1: base yeah. salary and this extra payment.
0: Right. It's 58 million that currently is salary, but can be converted at the team's option to an option bonus where he gets the money. Right. It's just paid out like a signing bonus and the money gets spread over time gotcha. under the remainder of his contract to reduce the cap charge. Right. And if he would stay in Green Bay, they would do that. And I'm assuming the Jets would do it. My point is this. If the Jets are trading for this guy, you're taking you're taking the contract. Why, why am I taking less money? I, I'd i be stunned if he takes a penny less than what he's due to make. Well, Now, maybe he takes a little bit less or does something to appear magnanimous on the way in, which wouldn't be stupid, frankly. You want to come in as the hero, and you want to buy yourself a little time? With this fan base and this media conglomerate that's going to be covering you? Yeah. Maybe if you do take a mild haircut, not much, just a little trim, just a little bit, turn it to incentives or something like that so you can create the impression that you're being very fair with your new team and maybe they'll love you even more
1: on the way through the door. Yeah, it'd be a good gesture. It certainly would get you know things started the right way. I just think even like not taking less money and just doing the option bonus you know, thing that I really wasn't aware of. I I think that's still a good gesture too, and I could see him agreeing to that. I can because you know again, it's a guy that's got who knows how many hundred millions dollars in the bank already. So hey, I'm going to get my money. Who cares if it's spread out a little bit over the you know next year or two to to get it? Uh, but yeah, the, the, I I'm going to be interested too. And you're right, the Brett Favre thing. Uh, there is a little bit of a you know a guideline there, you know? and and honestly, you know I can't remember what Brett Favre was making as far as contract at that point, but. You know, with, 12 million, was it 12 million. Yeah. Which was, you know, a lot at that time, certainly. But uh, I could see maybe that deal even being done without the first round option being maybe part of that, that whole trade because of all the things you said, there's a lot there that goes into this. And it seems like they want to move on and do this and the Jets want to make it happen. And I don't think there's that many suitors out there right now as it stands. Right. So uh, that's where you look at it and go, yeah, I think the options are limited here, and Green Bay's got to be careful about you know being too aggressive for what they ask for and messing this whole thing up.
0: Well, that's right because I think the nuclear option for Rodgers is to go the full Brett Favre career arc, retire now. Unretire later and put the Packers in a position where they have to move quickly and give him away to whoever it is he chooses to play for if he would come back in late July or early August like Brett Favre did. Let's take a break. When we return, Geno Smith is coming back to the Seahawks, who are all in with Geno Smith unless they aren't. Contract details suggest that it may not be a full three-year commitment. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. You know, there's a lot of talk about the scouting combine, whether it's a necessity, whether it should go away, whether it should be changed. Jerry Jones, meeting with reporters last week, specifically wanted to be asked about it so he could share his thoughts. Among other things, he said he's for continuing to work to really make this thing appropriate. I think we can make it just exactly like it would if you were interviewing for a major company or something like that and ask those kinds of questions. Players really should, in my mind, appreciate the promotion. They really should, and I know it's effective. I know it's financially impacting individuals, making them better. If you really want to maximize how this could turn out for you, to me, you should take advantage of the opportunities that you might have. That's not anything but just business. So basically saying it's not personal, it's just business, but I'll defer to what I wrote last night because we're going to end up spending the rest of the show arguing about this. The NFL benefits tremendously from the fact that this is not, The way a major company works, because you know what, Chris, when an applicant shows up for a job with a major company, if the major company pisses the applicant off, the applicant goes and works somewhere else. When you are in a draft environment, you can piss that applicant off all you want. You can still draft him and force him to come work for you if you choose to. And I think the fact that these guys have no real alternative is one of the reasons it's contributed to these intrusive and dehumanizing factors. Uh, not to mention the fact that they're all conditioned to believe it's an honor and a privilege to be asked intrusive and dehumanizing questions and be paraded around in their underwear and to be asked to go out and, you know, perform uh, the dog and pony show for money, not for them, but for the league on the surface of Lucas Oil Stadium. So the whole thing is happening under the umbrella of you have no alternative. You're going to submit to this draft and you may get drafted by that team that pissed you off mightily when they met with you at the combine.
1: Yeah, I, 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 get that. It's, it's not, you know, maybe prototypical or maybe not totally ideal. It is tough. It is, you know. And yeah, I wish there was a, you know, maybe a hair more respect or, you know, a little bit better tactical type of questions. And we do definitely, you know, seem to. You know, error towards disrespect every now and then, and you know, every year we kind of seem to hear one story of that when it comes to teams questioning a player or whatever. I still think it's a very necessary tool, as we've discussed the combine and all of that. And you know, at the same time too, uh, it, it is a little different than most job jobs out there too because it's it is in the public eye. It's the biggest thing in our country. It's very young people being thrown tons of money, so you gotta ask some tough questions, and do some digging to figure out those guys. And, yeah, it's not ideal. I get it. But um, it's still a pretty damn good system they got is what I would say. But it's not perfect. And, yeah, there's some things they could do to tweak it and at least make it a little bit better for players.
0: The young players are being thrown tons of money because the teams want the best possible players because they want to win football games and they have to spend that money. That's the thing. We, we always lose sight of the fact that this is for the benefit of the teams to find the best possible players. And somebody's going to be picked first overall. Somebody's going to pick second. Somebody's going to be picked in every spot. They want to make sure they're getting the players that help them be the best they can be as a team. But somebody's getting all that. That's the thing. This idea that it helps the players. Well, it may help some players. It may hurt other players. It helps the teams. It helps the teams use their draft picks as best they possibly can. That's who it's for. It's not for the players. It's for the teams. And it's disingenuous for Jerry Jones to act like it benefits the players. It benefits the teams. It helps them pick the best players that will help the team win football yeah, games. Yeah, it helps I mean, that's, them. That's, that's what it's all about.
1: It helps them more, no doubt. About. But it does help the players. I mean, it does. I, I don't – you you can't argue that, too. It does help. I mean, we, we – How? well How? How's it help them? Well, one – I mean, again, the workout itself helps people. We see that happen every year where it opens – oh, whoa, he is what I thought he was in film, or whoa – you know, I wasn't sure. Like we talked you about, did it at a pro day. Well, okay, but you know, you get a better that, that look here. It's not day. always your perfect thing, and then, but also, you get a more of a chance too to, hey, I'm, I'm just saying to sell, sell yourself, right? And there is a lot of team. Oh man, we met him, and whoa, did we love this guy? You know, we kind of thought he was this type of player, but now we got to see him in person and measure him and do that type of stuff, and got to talk to him. Whoa, he jumped up twenty or. Thirty spots for us on our draft board. It does help them, but yeah, ultimately you're right. It favors the league and the process they are. But like again, I'm not going to argue against it. It's the number one sports league in the world. It's not even close right now, as far as oh. what it makes. So you know, it it is working pretty damn well as far as what we got right now well, in this formula.
0: But, but here's the point. Here's the point. The scouting combine has issues and problems with the way the players are treated because they can. Because the teams can. Again, because the players don't get to choose where they go. Imagine how different it would be. And I don't want to start into an argument about I think the draft should go away because I still think the draft should go away. But if there was no draft and you had to recruit these kids, no one would be asked, is your mother a prostitute? No one would be asked intrusive questions. They would be kissing their asses if they had to recruit them. That's the one tangible benefit to the players of there being no draft. They would no longer treat you like pieces of meat. They would treat you like human beings that had to form a relationship with you to get you to choose to go work for them. That would be a very tangible benefit to the players right out of the gates, because now you're recruited. You're not treated as just like somebody who we get to pick and choose who we want, and you have no say over it. Yeah, that- would help the players. I, but again, it's I, never. I would. Well,
1: I, I think again. I think if we got into lawyers and young kids that were coming out and we're going, hey, we're going to throw you millions of dollars right away, there would be some more research into their life and maybe some of those questions asked too. There's not quite that risk. Risk a lot of other, you know, w- worlds of or business. You can find all
0: that out. You can find all that out without treating them like shit face to face. That's my point. A lot of these players get treated like shit face-to-face. It's gotten better, and they're more sensitive to it, but it's all part of this macho head game that they play with these guys, and I'd like to think that that's evolving out of the sport because that doesn't prove anything for anyone. Let's go ahead and take a break. Before we do, though, Chris, you've got an important update from Aunt Wendy.
1: Yeah, Aunt Wendy, you know, a fellow old-timer like yourself, she wants to set you straight here, okay? So you were on the right path as far as that, but Drysdale is – Beverly Hills, Billy Hillbilly. So you, you, you got that right. And then Mr. Mooney was with the bank and Lucy and Vic. So good job. You flushed it out. You caught yourself there. Uh, way to go. I thought maybe it was the same character. And isn't it weird that two sitcoms at
0: about the same time thought it would make sense? To have a banker as a prominent character, it's just it's just kind of strange to me. All right, let's take a break. Uh, we mentioned we would discuss Geno and the Seahawks. We will next segment. We'll be back with more PFP Live right after this. The Seahawks have worked out a contract with Geno Smith for three years, one hundred and five million dollars officially. They also officially have the fifth overall pick in the draft. So Pete Carroll, in the aftermath of the Geno Smith contract, was asked about whether or not this precludes them from drafting a quarterback with pick number five. Here's what he had to say.
1: That opportunity is absolutely there. We can do whatever we need to do, you know, and... and uh... Um, which is a whole nother, you know, discussion of. what's really exciting, and the, you know, the coaches are working at it, and the scouts are working at it to try to position this thing. When there's only uh, you're five, this is different than we're used to seeing. You know, this is really fun to, because you can pretty much predict what, what's going to happen with you know four different choices. You know, so which one is it? And, and uh, so, um, it's 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 we're live, on all you know, uh, and all guns are blazing here.
0: Now look, either he means it, or or he's trying to position himself to get the best possible trade package from the Raiders or the Panthers or the Falcons. We talked about that yesterday. It could be both. It yeah, could be both. It could be very. And mean, if I'm very Gen- if I'm Geno Smith, if I'm Geno Smith, I don't know how I feel about this. But you know, the bottom line is we broke down the deal. Uh, some of the contract details are out there. It's more like. Three years seventy five, not three years one hundred five, there's incentives. We haven't seen the triggers yet for the extra thirty million dollars that are tied to performance. But, you know, it's not the 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 commitment, the full three year hundred and five million dollar commitment that we thought it was. And so, yeah, there's an opening there for the Seahawks to take a quarterback. And they sit at number 5, which they rarely do. But we also know their habit, Chris, is trading down. Yeah. And if I had to guess one or the other right now, I'd say it's more likely they trade out of that spot than it is they use that pick on a quarterback.
1: Yeah, I would, would agree with that, too. I would lean that way as well. But I think, you know, you said it right. I, I think that there's you know all options are still on the table here and that both can be true, that they want, you know, Geno Smith to be the starting quarterback this next year, but they're going to evaluate quarterbacks and possibly take one at five? I don't think that's crazy. I don't think any team knows what they're going to do yet. I don't. You know, I talk to too many people around football right now. Coaches are, you know, and a lot of teams, they're way, I mean, the Jets right now, they're worried about Aaron Rodgers. They're not worried about the draft yet. Right. So there's teams here still where okay, where Seattle I think looks at this, hey, we like this guy, all right. We got the insurance that he's our guy here and you know, for at least a year and if he plays better than that and awesome, maybe longer than that. But at the same time, as we continue to go through this process and if we start to, whoa, we're three weeks out from the draft and damn we love, you know, this quarterback right here. This allows that option to still be you know, viable and realistic. So I do think they got the best of both worlds here as far as that's concerned. But yeah, I'm with you in the fact that I don't expect that pick to be a quarterback and I would expect them to trade down. We know they got some things on their roster they need to fix. But what Pete Carroll says is a very real thing. It's rare that you're at that spot in that little bubble of, whoa, we can get franchise game-changing type quarterback here. And I think that's why they'll continue to do their due diligence and and try to diligence and figure out, you know, where they want to go as this process moves along. The
0: question is, if they were going to draft a quarterback at number 5, are they comfortable having him sit for a year yeah. or two behind Geno Smith? What impact does that have on Smith? Is he is he impaired by that uh that presence? Th- those are all factors to be considered. Let's take a break. We'll have more PFC live right after this. Well, this is the final ten minutes of Chris's week because he's going to be in Miami. There he is. <laughs> oh, I hope that that's what you will wear. <laughs> it's oh not. my God! Uh, Four-day weekend, two weeks after a week off. No days right. off except when we take days off. Going that's to Miami. Right. You didn't even. You could. You could have set it up as you're going on assignment. You could have. I would have believed you. I didn't, want to, I, I didn't you. want to lie.
1: I didn't want to lie. I didn't. I'm not that kind of guy. So I just was was honest, and that that's just what it is. You know me. I don't. I don't take days off very often as far as that's concerned. And I think another thing that, like, it is weird that I'm like, there's a part of me that's like, damn, we just went on a vacation. I'm not sure if I really even feel like doing this too. But I am getting to the time of the year where, like, there will be no days off. This is the time of the year where on Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays, I'm sitting there in front of the computer screen watching draft prospects and going through it. So, you know, I'm reminding myself of those struggles that are about to come as well.
0: All right, let's play a quick game of which doesn't belong and why, as it relates to free agent quarterbacks. Former top picks, number one overall selections, not number one, but close to it. Jameis Winston, who was number one, Baker Mayfield, number one, Sam Darnold, number three, which doesn't belong and why?
1: Ooh, I mean, first off, they they all kind of belong in the thought of like, you know, like guys that you would go with. They, these are valuable backups. Like, I'd love to have them on my football team to, to be that, but... I think the one I'll go with there is Baker Mayfield just from the standpoint of I don't know, am I crazy to think maybe there's a chance he's still a starting quarterback for somebody? You know, I guess that's that's my difference there. They're both all three to me have great value for a team that's good and you go, Wait, we need a viable backup in case our starter gets hurt and they can hold it down. I love that. But Baker I think doesn't belong maybe because I look at him as the one guy that depending how this all shakes out, that some team might view him as a bridge starter in, in some capacity.
0: At times, he's been his own worst enemy. He got screwed by the Browns last year to the extent that it slowed him down getting to Carolina. And he needs to go to a place now where he has the full off season to get properly ensconced. And we could see 2018 or 2020 Baker which is pretty damn good quarterback, which is why he stands out. Trusted veterans, which doesn't belong in why. Jimmy Garoppolo, Jacoby Brissett, Teddy Bridgewater.
1: Well, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't there because I, I think he's a little bit more in the trust tree to me than the other two there. You know, uh, Jacoby Brissett, I got great respect for what he did last year, and he's been better throughout his career than people give him credit for. Bridgewater, to me, is clearly a backup and scary to have as your backup because of like what we saw last year. You know he's he's very injury prone. That's not always what you want in your backup. So I go with Garoppolo, kind of like what we said with Baker. I still think there's a chance that somebody brings him in maybe to be a starter here when all's said and done. But I'll say Brissette
0: because you know exactly what you're getting with Brissette. I hear that, and he's durable, and he'll show up, and he'll play. With Garoppolo, who the hell knows? With Teddy, who the hell knows? With Brissette, you can have some certainty and some confidence. Whatever you invest, whatever his role is, he's going to play it. He's going to play it well. He's going to keep his head low and his mouth shut, and he's going to go about his job, and he's going to be a very capable presence in your locker room. And I'd prefer him, frankly, at this point to the other two. Let's take a break. We've got a couple more categories we'll do before we wrap up this Wednesday edition of PFT Live. We'll be right back. Amid plenty of combined speculation that Tom Brady, who has said he is done, isn't really done. He took to Twitter yesterday to say, anyone who thinks they have time to come back to the NFL has never adopted a two-month-old kitten <laughs> for their daughter. Okay, funny joke, but that's really not the fire hose to the speculation that, that is going to convince anybody. And I've seen different people couch that as, oh, Tom Brady shoots down rumors. It doesn't do anything. He's making a joke. Do you really think that that kitten is going to stop him from playing if he wakes up in July and decides, I really don't want to get to the age of 60 or 70 and regret not playing football for as long as I could have? I really don't want to stop doing this thing that I love to do. So it doesn't mean anything other than Tom Brady making a joke on Twitter. That's it, Chris.
1: Yeah, I agree. I I, I totally agree. I don't expect him to come back. I don't. I think it's totally done. Uh, but yeah, uh, that was a total joke. There's no question. And you're right. The final test will be that July, August area where we'll go. Okay. Now we'll, we'll officially know, but Hey, cat cats are easy. I don't know what he's worried about. What are they? You rub their paws in the litter box and they go to the bathroom there and you put some food for them. I'm I'm a cat lover. I like cats. You know, I love all animals, but cats are kind of under the radar. Cool. I don't think they get the respect they deserve. (laughs)
0: i'm allergic to cats i'm allergic to cats and i also believe that each and every one of them is possessed by a demon other than that i'm fine with cats. why why would you Dogs say that would why would you harder, think they're think, a br- a,
1: b- by a demon why 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 the I bad think, propaganda on cats what they do to you I, I think i think i think it's a very simple thing
0: and i feel free to disagree with me <laughs> i believe that your cat would kill you if it could i believe your cat would kill you if it could your dog would just like lick you to death your cat would kill you if it could.
1: No, That's just what I. Believe. Yeah, I know you're wrong. Well, your belief is wrong. We've seen giant cats get along with people that are smaller than them that they could kill them, have, and that doesn't happen. Yes, take it tons up tons of stories. Degrees. Like go on YouTube. See yeah, you tomorrow. yeah, you're you're <laughs> a racist against cats. <laughs>